are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Job in chapter number 39. For the sake of time, I'm going to begin reading in verse 19. Hast thou given the horse strength? Hast thou clothed his neck with thunder? Canst thou make him afraid as a grasshopper? The glory of his nostrils is terrible. He paweth in the valley and rejoiceth in his strength. He goeth on to meet the armed men. He mocketh at fear and is not affrighted, neither turneth he back from the sword. The quiver rattleth against him. The glittering spear and the shield, he swallowed the ground with fierceness and rage. Neither believeth he that the sound of the trumpet. He saith to the trumpets, Aha! The smelleth the battle afar off, and the, cap- and the thunder of the captains and the shouting. It's speaking of a horse. This text is an amazing text. It has in this text the goats. It has the donkeys, it has the peacocks, the ostrich, the horse that we read of, the hawk, the eagle. God is big about talking to us about animals in the Bible. The they're not all, I won't read them all because there's just too many, but there's the ant and the ape and the asp and the bat and the bear and the bee and the cow and the deer and the dog and the donkey and the dove and the eagle and the fish. And in the Bible, there's the flea and the ox and the gnat and the goat and the grasshopper and the hawk and the horse and the lamb and the leopard and the leviathan. In the Bible, there's the lion, there's the lizard, uh, there's the locust, the moth, the mouse, the mule, the ostrich, the owl, the ox. There's a partridge. There's a pigeon, a ram, a raven, a scorpion, the serpent, the sheep, the snail, the sparrow, the spider, the turtle. There's the viper, the wolf, the worm. And that's just to mention some. God gives us illustration tonight with a horse. Tonight I come to you with a heavy heart for our country. So burdened about this great country. But I'm more burdened about the New Testament local Baptist church. The country is just revealed through the church. And the country shows that our churches are weak. Who'd ever think that we'd have a man in the White House that said to two consensus groups in the Democratic Party, we don't want to have under God or the pledge to God. Who'd ever think we'd embrace in that party socialism? Our Father tonight, I am so burdened. And I pray that tonight our young preacher men in the nation and older preacher men as well that are listening would take heed to what's saying tonight. I pray that we would take inventory as soldiers of Jesus Christ. Lord, it's camp meeting time. And with the camp meeting, 
We think of how we need to bring our nation back to the house of God, not to entertainment, not to a nightclub, not to entertainment, not to Sunday, one and done and it's over, not to a party, not to a seminar, but to preaching and singing hymns and songs and spiritual songs. I pray that tonight you'd use the message of the hour to help us and be more determined to go home and preach the gospel to a needy city. Help this church to ever stand for righteousness and holiness and godliness in the midst of a very wicked place. Thank you for placing us here. Bless the message of the hour in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I must confess to you tonight that I don't know very much about animals. Oh, we had dogs growing up and I liked my dogs. I think at one time we had two beagles and I liked those beagles. They were just great dogs. But I've never had a cat, never planned to have one. And although our grandkids locally here have a dog named Trooper, Trooper and I are good friends. I love seeing Trooper, but I like to go home and not have to clean up after Trooper and take care of Trooper. He's my buddy. He always comes to see me. And I love spending time with Trooper and getting them all wound up. Go, 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 go. And he starts running all over the place. Go, go, go. I, I know, and it's two idiots together is what it is. Why would I want an animal that any night of the week I can go in my backyard, I can get skunks, I can get, uh, where are those things come out of the sewer? Yeah, that's what I get. What are they? I can't hear you, but raccoons, I hate them. And they just defy you, they look at you. They'll just stare at you. And then I have neighbors and I thank God for my neighbors, but they feed the raccoons and the skunks and the cats are everywhere. And they come and um, visit our house every night. They're on the roof of the hair everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And we play a game together. I'll open the door slowly and they'll stop and they'll look. And I start making my way toward them real slow. I reach down like I'm going to get a rock. No, don't wait a minute. Don't, don't get nervous about this. Like I'm going to get it. And they watch. And I wind up and I get ready to throw nothing. And they start running. I'll tell you what, I love it every time. They torment me and I torment them. And I want you to know, I, I've got a whole backyard of animals. Dr. Kellogg's my neighbor and he's here tonight. I think I'm going to borrow your German shepherd and put him put him in my backyard some night. He would have a time. I was out there the other morning and uh, I was going to mow the lawn the other day and I looked in the backyard. They must have had a party the night before because I saw gray fur everywhere. I don't know what they did, but they must have had a fight back there. I need that German shepherd. Now think of that. My wife, she has a German shepherd on the inside. I am a shepherd and I am a German. And we have a German shepherd we're going to borrow for the outside. I don't want any animals. 
I don't want, I don't want anything like that. If I want an animal, I could just go right across the street to Brother Cooper's house and they have a cute little Fifi, a little dog Fifi. It's the most wonderful thing to watch him with Fifi. He, he, this little cute little puppy, he's got it in a little, little pink little outfit, you know, and he walks Fifi around the yard and walks him around the uh, the part and uh, around the uh, the the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the block there. It's just a, it's a riot to see this great flaming evangelist preacher with Fifi. Now the problem is he's preaching on Tuesday night and he might tell the truth about Fifi, but uh, Fifi and, and and Brother Cooper are wonderful friends. I love watching it. Go back, get back to sleep back here. He's okay. He's having a time. I'm not an animal guy. But I love reading about the horse. And I see the strength of a horse. I'll get to my message, but it's going to take me a while to get airborne and then a short message. Hast thou given, verse 19, the, the horse strength? His neck is clothed with thunder. You think of the horse... A horse is a strong animal. The strength. Oh, how we need some strong workhorses in the New Testament local church. Strong people. People that will not cave. People will not give in. I spoke to the pastors about three years ago from this text for about eight minutes. I've never preached a message from it. But tonight I preached a message I wanted to preach that morning, but I had no time. I see the strength of the horse. I see, secondly, that the horse is not spooked very easily. Verse 20. Canst thou make him afraid as a grasshopper? The glory of his nostrils is terrible. When a horse begins to flare his nostrils, and believe it or not, I've studied quite a bit about the horse in the last three years for this night. When it begins to flare its nostrils, it's like, I'm ready. Bring it on. I'm going to fight for something. He's not afraid of the grasshopper. He's not spooked by the grasshopper. He, is, he has strength. He takes a stand. Look at verse 21, the latter part. Uh, he goeth on to meet the armed men. He has strength. He mocketh at fear and is not affrighted. Neither turn his back from the sword. The horse lives for this battle. The horse is excited about it. He has a stand. Bring that sword on. Bring that enemy on. Bring that, uh, that battle to me. Come on, I'm ready for it. He's not spooked easily. He has strength. He takes a stand. Listen to this, verse 24. He loves the sound of battle. He lives for it. He swalloweth the ground with his fierceness of rage. Neither believeth he that it is the sound of the trumpet. He's not afraid. He, he, he loves the sound of a battle. We are missing the spirit of a horse in so many of our churches tonight. We don't want a battle. We don't want to fight. We don't want to take a stand. We don't want to be a soldier. We want to be a community organizer that everybody in the community, because of our diversity, likes us. But it's dangerous. John the Baptist was a leather-lung preacher that lost his head. Elijah, when he was told by the politician Ahab, thou, are, are, are you the one that troubleth Israel? And he said, thou art the man. 
I'm not suggesting that we become mean spirit to authority. I'm not suggesting that we are unkind to authorities. Mr. Joe Biden, I did not vote for him, and his wife Jill are on my prayer list. I pray for them as long as well as I pray for President Trump and his wife and their children. And I pray along with that for President Obama and his wife and his two girls. And I pray for George Bush and his wife. I pray for these politicians, most I would never vote for. But I want to let you know, I love the politician. I'll respect the politician, but my job is not to get cozy with a politician, but to preach the word and to be instant in season, out of season. Tonight I'm coming to you with verse 25 is our text. He saith among the trumpets, aha, and here it is. He smelleth the battle. He smelleth the battle. A horse uses all its senses. He has ears that can pivot. Unlike your ear or my ear, both ears can pivot 180 degrees. They can hear very well at long distance. The horse has a, 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 a taste. They can taste if you try to put medicine in their feed, they can taste it and will not eat it. The horse has hearing, it has taste, it has touch, it feels. If a fly lands on them, they know that there's a fly on them. A horse has vision, but a horse also has smell. Unlike any other animal that you can look at, the horse smell is amazing. When a horse smells danger, for example, cougars, they can smell a cougar 50, 80, 100 yards away, the length of a football field and more, they can smell it. It's in the area and their nostrils begin to open up and they smell the direction and they'll take those young foals or fillies and they'll take them and they'll begin to transport them into safety because they are not going to be attacked by a cougar. They can smell in the distance something's coming. Tonight, I come to you with the subject, can't you smell it? Can't you smell it? Can't you smell what's happening in our churches? You take your city. Let me take ours. I might be wrong. 150,000 people here. As far as I know, there's not another church in our city that is open. There's not another church I know is meeting inside. There's not another church, to my knowledge, not meeting outside in our city. This great city of Santa Clara, California, in our city of San Jose, one of the largest church cities in America, over a million people. I don't think there are three churches meeting. I know of one. That's all I know. There might be another one. I don't know of anybody open. And nine million people in the Bay Area, I don't think there are 10 churches open even on parking lots. I don't think there are five. Where are those nine million people getting their nourishment? 
And then if we're not careful what we're doing, we're enjoying it in your city. Your city shut down. How many Lutheran churches met this morning? How many leather-lunged Presbyterians that used to be great preachers? Billy Sunday was a Presbyterian. How many Presbyterian churches in your city met this morning? How many Methodist preachers? You talk about old camp meeting. Those old Methodists gave us camp meetings. How many Methodist churches met this morning? Or tonight, America needs the church. And as America continues to not only reject the church, but as we water the church down, can't you smell it? Can't you smell it that we're becoming entertainers and professional pastors? We have lost the tears. We've lost the fire. We've lost the shout. We've lost the Holy Spirit of God. Can't you smell it? Can't you smell when something's wrong with your marriage? Some of you dear men and ladies, can't you smell it? Can't you smell it when something's wrong with your kids? Can't you smell it when something's wrong with your future? Can't you smell it when, pastor, you see your church and it's becoming weak? Why can't we smell it? The world of the horse and its surroundings is gained by what they smell. They can smell fear. They are quick to detect fear when they realize that something is coming into their area that's gonna bring destruction to themselves or to their offspring, they immediately smell it. I'm coming to you on that subject tonight. I can't just smell it. Can't you smell what's happening? May I say to you tonight that compromise does, never, does not ever preserve. Compromise will always destroy. We are drifting so quickly, preaching, Yet God's word says of preaching tonight, I'm over here, and you don't need to turn there for the sake of time. In Titus chapter one, verse number three, but hath in these times, these due times, manifested his word through preaching, which is committed to me according to the commandment of God and our Savior. He said to Timothy, the book before, chapter four, verse two, preach the word. The word preach is the Greek word keruk. It means to publicly lift your voice and to herald and to speak with authority. An overhead, what we used to call overhead projector. The seminar approach now. We have screens everywhere out here. We have one up here where you can see. I love using them so people can see. But friend, I'll tell you what, I am not gonna turn this church into a seminar. I'm not gonna start preaching with those things where God bless you now, if you'll notice on the screen, point one. I am not supposed to be a lecturer. I'm supposed to be a preacher. I'm not supposed to be a seminar teacher. I'm supposed to preach the word. God, 1 Corinthians chapter one, have chosen the foolishness of preaching. Lift your voice and herald these men we brought in this week. You preachers, the men we brought in are great leather lung preachers. And if you're not sometime bothered by preaching, then you're not right with God. I wanna to come to church to be helped. The seminar approach is not working. Look at our elections nationwide in almost every area. Look at what is happening. 
or appointing people to office, leadership positions, cabinets, there are men that turn their bodies into being women. And they labor that, that this is good. We're bringing education in now to elementary school, telling kids that they can get their bodies changed so that they might become a girl instead of a boy, become a boy instead of a girl in our schools. America, we're going straight into hell. Better wake up. And preachers, I'm holding us responsible. We've become too silent. Well, if you notice on the chart that I have for you tonight, a man of God cannot preach with those. I'll tell you why. It takes the fire out of preaching. Preaching is study, yes. Preaching is outline, yes. But preaching is let the Spirit of God, already I've cut things out of my message that I just don't have time for, and I've added some things already. That's what preaching is. But if I'm stuck to a screen, I can't preach. I have to seminar. I have to see, be a lecture. God has not chosen the foolishness of lecturing. Preach, preach the word. We're so casual. Our churches become indifferent to preaching. Well, we don't like it that way. My job is not to ask you what you like. My job is to ask God what's the need of the hour. Oh, as a shepherd, I want to be very concerned for my sheep. I would not want to abuse my sheep. I would not want to hurt the sheep. God says I'm to be a good shepherd. But tell you what, friend, a good shepherd doesn't let you play with rattlesnakes. They'll hurt you every time. We have become so indifferent. Our services are so casual. Our services have become, please hear me, I know what I'm talking about. I, I see it all over the country. I wasn't born yesterday. I've been watching what's happening for years now. I see it in our churches. I, I see it in the things that are written. I see it as they come across my desk. I think, oh no, here goes another one. Our services have become a show. Our services have become entertainment. Our services have become a performance. But God has chosen the foolishness of preaching. Here's what's happening. Here's what's happening. It's time for the performance to start. The lights come down. The mood lights come up. All of a sudden, this is all over America now in our fundamental churches. On the screen, a, a young lady normally appears first, or it could be a young man, or it could be a couple. But she'll say, normally it's a staff member, we welcome you. We welcome you to the gathering place today. We're so delighted you're here to worship with us. By the way, you'll find this more in churches today. It's, it's unraveling every week. And we have a little ditty up there. And then he comes on and says his little part. And then the pianist begins to play some mood music. You know, great hymns of the faith, you get to, even in introduction, the theme of a song that you can hear the melody line. When you go to a nightclub, or you go to a dance hall, or you go to a tavern, there's a pianist and they're playing this mood music. And the pianist comes in and it's all dreamy type music. 
and the dreamy music is going on. Then the fellow steps up, and of course, nowadays you can't wear a tie. That's all legalism. And you come up there with the big, wait a minute, I know, don't shut your TV off yet. I don't have that much longer to go, fellas. But you're America. If some of you young boys don't stand for something, you're going to have nothing. You're going to have absolutely nothing. Gus Hall died in 2000. He was born in 1910. He was the head of the Communist Party in the United States of America. Gus Hall said, and I quote, I long for the day, I long for the day that politicians will be strangled in America on the streets of this country from the guts of preachers that preached about God. Communism hates God. Socialism hates God. Marxism, read the foundation. This book will be alive to read the foundation of Marx. He hated God. Stalin hated God. Hitler hated God. And now we're trying to mirror it. And there ought to be some places like your church, dear pastors that are here, and you pastors that are coming, there ought to be some places like this that we do not give them entertainment. We give them a service for God is there and singing is on revival and singing is on the, the blood of Christ and about heaven and about Jesus and a preaching and invitation. So the fellow comes up, the lights come up, the announcements are on there. It's all synchronized. It's all entertainment. And then we come up with the, the, the worship leader and the big winsome smile. And we welcome to worship with us today. Come, let us glorify the Lord together. Music is playing a little bit louder now. And we'll sing, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you in truth. We worship your majesty. We worship the sun, the moon, the stars that thou hast created. It doesn't even go musically. We worship the mighty works of your hand. We worship you. We were, it sounds eerie. It sounds negative. It sounds depressing. And then they'll throw in a great hymn of the faith. And then the man gets up to do his preaching, his entertainment. I know, I know what's coming. I, I know you're not going to like me for preaching this tonight. I know it. I know you dear preachers. By the way, a preacher should stand for something. And the average pastor is standing against, not compromise, but he's standing against another brother that's trying to keep the church alive for Jesus Christ. You spend more time fighting this type of preaching than you will fight a compromiser. Because can't we all get along? That's, thank you very much, let's get along. Let me preach what I believe God's word wants me to preach. You can take what you want with your people. Then you're stuck to that outline because it's showing up on the board and that's when they push the, the next thing or you do it. That, 
That's not preaching, ladies and gentlemen. You think you, where are you young boys getting this? You think you found something new. I'll tell you where you get it. You're not getting from some leather-lunged camp meeting preacher. You're getting it from some non-Baptist, some compromiser, some church guru that's telling you how to build a church. That's why you put away Sunday night so easily. That's why you do away with Wednesday night unless it's some sporting event. That's why you do away with Sunday school. Oh, my friend, I'm telling you, we are, we are losing the touch of God, the passion of God. We're losing tears. We're losing heart. We're losing the Holy Spirit of God that wants to work. Hey, how you doing? With preparing young people for Bible college. The average church will not send kids to Bible college anymore. You know what you do? We put 50 to 55 or 60 kids of our own church in Bible college every year. And you know what you're going to do? What happens all the time? You're going to go after our kids because as Mrs. Treber said years ago, you like our product, you just don't like the ingredients to get our product. Because you're not producing a product. And then you take our kids and you twist their minds into this compromise and they can have all their freedoms they want and you destroy a lifetime of labor and a prayer and a work of a mother and a dad Sunday school teachers and youth pastors and a pastor and you take our kids, raise up your own compromisers. Pastor has removed God from church. The hymns have been removed. We don't want to use any offensive words like Sunday school. Would you please hear me? Sunday school in America is about extinct. It's about gone. They have these things called connection groups now. You drink your coffee and have your fellowship. Connection groups, men of God, Keep Sunday school going. It came to this country in the late 1700s and it's worked. It worked, it worked. We had Sunday schools and people began to teach the Bible. We bought into the concept of Sunday school classes with not adults but children, about 10 students. So that you get a teacher studying and you have 100 kids, that means you got 10 teachers studying all week long the Word of God and reading the Word of God and praying and getting to know God and going to a class. And then you had 200, so you had 200 schools, you had 20 Sunday school teachers. Then you had 1,000, which meant you had 100 Sunday school teachers studying the Word of God. But now we're all connection groups. Now we don't do soul winning anymore. I read Spurgeon's books from the 1800s. Talks about soul winning all the time, but now we don't do soul winning. We can't even use that word in our fundamental Baptist churches because now it's outreach. Outreach. We are dropping everything that sounds spiritual. Sunday school. I think that tells you what it is. Soul winning now is outreach. I think of the song leader is now the worship leader. I think of preaching as I want to share with you tonight. We want to learn some principles to live by tonight. The choir is now frontline singers. The choir is a thing of the past. The service times are not no longer any services. They're called gatherings. We will gather at 10 o'clock. At 10 o'clock, we gather with our connection groups.
If you don't think this is happening, you ought to be looking at what's coming across my desk every single day. I don't have 50 years left. I don't have 40 years left. I don't have 30 years left. Probably don't have 20 years left. I'll be off the scene. But you're not going to see something like this if you don't change this thing, preachers. I'm talking about the preachers that are watching tonight. Thank God for the men of God that are here for the great stand. You can smell it. You can smell it. You wouldn't be here if you did not smell it. Church names are no longer, I didn't name the church. Our church is going to be 46 years of age. Miss Treatment, I came when it was six months old with about, about 20 people 45 years ago. It was already named North Valley. I want it First Baptist, but there was already a First Baptist in town. I think they call it now The Edge. But I want it First Baptist because first makes you say the second word. I like that word Baptist. But now we're the summit. Join us at the summit. Join us at the elevation. Join us at the rock. Join us at the gathering place. Join us at the refuge. Join us at the bridge. Everything has been so watered down because we do not want to offend our community. We want a diverse approach with everybody. That's a bunch of nonsense. We used to admire the old guys. Jeremiah 5. I'll get me to the great man. That means the old men who have known the Lord and known the ways of the Lord. Now the old men are mocked. They're ridiculed. And we get some non-Baptist telling us how to have church. Why don't you follow some experienced man? It doesn't have to be me. It could be another man that's experienced. It doesn't have to be a pastor of a large church. I brought my, my book that we'll give out to many pastors this week. Ernest Pickering would come to our school and, and he would speak on these subjects and he writes in this book the importance of understanding our heritage in this country. In the 17 and 1800s, you were not considered fit to be a pastor in the States unless you went back to Germany and learned German rationalism. Rationalism is simply where we base what we believe on, on reason. And they would come back and you could not reason and that's why the Bible became under attack almost immediately. Well, this word is not in the Bible. Well, this verse should not be in the Bible. Because of German rationalism, they, they did not take the authority of the Scriptures. And from German rationalism, it moved into modernism. And modernism moved into liberalism. Let me read to you the foundation of liberalism, and I, there's nine points they have, but I won't even take the time. The hallmarks, number one, is the tolerance of all religious views. That's where we're at, even in our Baptist churches. Let's just tolerate one another. Secondly, they, they emphasize the validity of human experience over the revealed truth of God. That's what is happening in our church. I just feel so good. I'm learning the Bible for the first time. 
we, we, we have, have following the, on the screen. But friend, don't you smell it? Don't you smell what's happening? Uh, the, the, the liberalism, the thirds, they, they think, uh, they believe, and their platform is the goodness and the morality of man. But that's not Bible. Man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Number nine, and I've skipped over most of them, they believe that the church's emphasis should be on social activity. Feeding the poor, giving things to the community. But we move from rationalism to modernism to liberalism to 1948 in Pasadena, California at Fuller Seminary where Charles Fuller's founded the seminary. And at 48, he had Harold Ockengay from Park Avenue Church in Boston come. That church building's still there. And he preached and he said, tonight at this graduation, I introduce a new word to you. He said, I'm introducing the word neo, N-E-O, which means new, evangelicalism, which means standard. There's a new standard. We cannot be so harsh. And he said, fundamentals, there's too much excessive negativity. Well, tell that to Jeremiah and Isaiah and tell that to John the Baptist and tell that to our Lord. Secondly, we feel so insecure because we're not being accepted by the scholarly world. You young preachers hear me now. You think you're so smart now because you're this great scholar. This is nothing new. You think you've landed on something. All you're doing is going to the internet and finding non-Baptists and you like their theology. It's going to destroy your marriage and destroy your home and destroy your ministry and you will not have a church. You will not have a church. That's why you're already giving up Sunday night and you'll cancel Wednesday night so often. You will not have a church. A church cannot be built off a Christian school or off a play or sports or entertainment or a seminar. Preach the word. He said, thirdly, we want our men to be influenced by secular and liberal institutions. Fourth, we want the spirit of the age to be part of our church. Whatever's happening in the spirit of the age, I'll tell you what's happening in the spirit of the age right now is socialism and Marxism in this country. I don't want to accept it. Number five, he said, we believe the church should have only basically a social action in the communities. Number six, he said, I want us to be more ecumenical. We get along with everybody. And from new evangelicalism, that term's not used anymore. We've gone to the contemporary movement. And the contemporary movement is mirrored much of what I just said. The mood lights, the pianist playing in the background like in a nightclub. But there's still nothing wrong with Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head 
for such worm as I at the cross where I burden of my heart roll away it was there by faith You see, our city is no different than yours, Brother Wooten. You've got every, every ism and nutty thing going on in your city, in that great city. It's just amazing what's invading us in our churches. This is San Jose, California, a church brochure. Ten reasons why to come to our church. Can't read them all, don't have time. One, it's a church your parents would not approve of. Well, Brother Kissel, why would you want to go to a church? Your father-in-law, Dr. Wally Davis, home with the Lord. Why would you want to go to a church that he doesn't approve of? What's so bad about your father, your, 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 your father-in-law? What, what's so bad? Why, why, uh, God's word says, honor thy father and thy mother. My parents are dead by looking at their pictures every day at home. And I look at their pictures here. And my father-in-law and mother-in-law, I look at it every day. And I still want to honor them. It's a church your parents want to approve of? Then why are you going? Gay or straight, there's no hate here. Well, there's no hate here either because we love you and we're going to tell you that God gives a person over to that lifestyle and when God gives you up, you burn in your lust, men for men and women for women, and God calls it sin. We want to see God deliver you from that lifestyle. Our motto is church minus the religious, and forgive me for saying this word, C-R-A-P. On a church brochure, you've got to be kidding me. I read the rest. Thank God this church, we contact them, they changed this part of the brochure. It's family friendly. We refuse to bore children with Jesus. We refuse to bore children, kids, it says here, with Jesus. I thank God when the pastor was contacted, he changed that. Bore people with Jesus? That's what we're all about. Church. Church minus, once again, the religious C-R-A-P. Everything here, all the, everything is casual. I'm a representative of the King of Kings. The first president we had entered the Oval Office in shorts was Barack Obama. Every president has said it's such a it's such a reverence place. I, 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 I'm disappointed in George W. Bush, but he, 
First day in his office, a guy showed up in his office with a sport coat on and no tie. He said, and he made a scene. He said, you out, this is an oval office of the United States of America. You will not come in this office without a suit and a tie. Now you can say what you want, but there's something about d dignity. God gives a, almost an entire book how the high priest ought to dress. It's not to fit in with the community. This is a four-week series on marriage. And I know we have young children, so be very careful. How to stay married in the bedroom. What does that have to do with church? It makes me sick. Uh, this one, this one, this one. All says, you come, we'll give you movie tickets. This one says, you'll come and we'll get you out in time so you can watch the 49er games. You can come in flip-flops and shorts without feeling awkward. Movie tickets. Movie tickets. Can't you smell it? My wife and I came here 45 years ago. Every ministry we ever began, we have a manual on it. I have a deacon's manual. We have an usher's manual. We have a nursery manual. We have a choir manual. We have a music manual. We have a staff manual. I have a deacon's manual. Because I always believe you go to the end of the thing. What do you want to see at the end? That's Bible, not the beginning. Where do you want to wind up? When I came here, those 20 people, I gave them 13 things, what I believed. I said, here's what I believe, and this is what I'm going to preach. We're going to add to it. We can add to this like you can add amendments to the Constitution. You just cannot take anything away from here. When you begin to take away from your founding principles of an organization, you'll always announce it's doom. Tonight, I, I, I don't want to change with this. You say, well, this is the new way. There's always been a new way ever. Brother Cooper, ever since I came here, there's been something new. You're the only guy around in the Silicon Valley not, not going to the Billy Graham Crusades. You're the only guy not coming to our prayer meetings when we're all together. I couldn't go to that Billy Graham Crusade. God bless him. Probably one more people of Christ than any other human being alive. God bless the memory of what he did for Christ. But when you're going to have Mormons and Catholics on the platform, we don't believe the same way. I'm not going to compromise that. I'm not suggesting that he did not try to serve God. That's between he and God. And he's done more with his life probably than I did. I'm not going to sit and rub my man, shoulders with a man that believes that salvation is through the prayers of Mary who goes to Jesus, who goes to the Father on his behalf. No. There's one God and one mediator between God and man. We're out of time. The Bible says he smelleth the battle. His nostrils begin to flare. Preachers, you don't have to believe everything I do, but can't you smell some of the things I'm saying? Are we too prideful to say, I'm, I'm, not going, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to preach against him. I don't like him. He says it like what I, no, no, I'm trying to warn us tonight. I'm a gray-headed, bald-headed, hard of hearing, hard of seeing, old man. That encourages my wife. She looks so young. My journey is pretty much used up. I don't want the people that have worked so hard to build every one of these buildings 
and on the other properties filled tonight, all those buildings that are built there. God's blessed us with two beautiful gymnasiums and two dining halls and many auditoriums and classrooms and computer rooms on both properties and science labs over there, a beautiful science lab. On and on it goes. To have some compromiser come in here and say, we're not gonna do the Sunday night thing anymore. We're not, we're not gonna do choirs anymore. We'll have the front line singers. You can do that, preachers, but I warn you, you will have nothing. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.